Hello, my name's Carl Houghton. And I'm Tom Price. And you're listening to Celebrate Melksham. Today we'll be discussing about antisocial behaviour in Melksham. We'll be interviewing Sergeant James Twyford and Wiltshire Councillor Mike Sankey. Please stay listening for them, and at the end you'll hear my and Carl's summary. But first of all, here's James. So thanks for joining us, James. Um, can you tell everyone a bit about what you do within the police? Yeah, sure. So I, I'm James Twyford. I'm a neighbourhood sergeant uh, based from Elksham and Bradford-on-Avon. Uh, my job essentially consists of looking at all medium and long-term problems that affect the, the local area. Uh, so it tends to be things like antisocial behaviour, uh, repeat offences in repeat locations and, and those sorts of things. How's, how's it been going at the moment? Been busy? It's always been. <laughs> I could. I, I say it regularly to the town council. I could keep a team five times the size gainfully employed. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's the problem. It never ends, really, does it? No, and there's there's loads I'd love to look at that we don't we don't get a chance to. But um, at no risk of being bored. No. <laughs> so uh, looking more towards antisocial behaviour, um, what's that looking like in Melksham at the moment? So I had a, I had a look at some statistics earlier on. Um, Within the last 12 months to today, uh, we dealt with a total of 20,702 jobs, so just shy of 21,000 jobs in, in total. Uh, antisocial behaviour for our area makes up about 7% of that. Uh, in Melksham, that, that translated into 437 incidents in a year. Uh, that varies from absolutely anything. Uh, you know, at one end, you could have littering and then smoking of drugs. Uh, all the way up to nuisance neighbours at the other end. Uh, it's, it's a hugely broad area, uh, uh, but it's yeah, it's about seven percent of what we do. I think one of the biggest stigmas are around um, young people being the main cause of antisocial behaviour. Um, that's something I just really wanted to touch on with you and see, you know, whether that's accurate to the reports that you're getting in. It's it's certainly a proportion of it. The, the, the stereotypical things like damage and graffiti uh, that, that definitely forms a part of it. Um, it. It isn't all of it by by a long stretch. We see uh, we see a fair share of street begging or aggressive street begging. Uh, we will see instances of street drinking, rowdy behaviour attached to the nighttime economy. Uh, that you know it's it, it's a really broad spectrum. But yeah, there is there is a part that's youth related, but it's it's probably perceived as being worse than it actually is in reality. With, with the um, with the, uh, the amount there is of youth, and you said it's 7% of antisocial behaviour, is that, it's been like that for the last 10, 20 years, or is that a very, is that a new figure? Is it always pretty much been on the same, on the decline, on the increase? I think it'd be really difficult to define. The, the official recording rules changed in 2006, so you'd, you'd struggle to differentiate there. And I think society's tolerance for it has changed as well as time, as time goes on. Uh, you know, towards the start of my career, I don't remember uh, hearing half of the reports we do now. With, um, I mean, I know we've joked past previously about playing knock and run. Fifteen years ago, I don't remember seeing reports for that. Now I probably see two or three a week. Uh, so I, I think people's tolerance for for things is uh, has changed over time. We had that chat, and it can be frustrating. Cause, you know, we said. I nudge about the NHS and all you're hearing is protect the NHS, don't go to any unless you really have to, We're only go to surgery if you really have to, mm. but people are calling, well, potentially calling the police for quite trivial things like not not run, Yeah, and they don't realise that also has an impact on, it's not saving the NHS but it's still tax implications, our money goes towards that and it's yeah, really and frustrating. It, and it does, we, yeah, we see huge huge numbers of uh, civil issues and, and neighbour disputes that aren't and, and don't get me wrong, neighbour disputes can be uh, yeah. a, a police matter in, in, in some things but what we see a lot of is um, boundary issues and things like that that really should be solved through the civil courts or mediation we see that being dressed up as antisocial behaviour or, or harassment and, and people make those reports to try and try and get the police involved to solve it without them having to pay where they probably should to, to go through the civil process uh, but yeah we that, that's a percentage of the workload but there are obviously the majority of what we get is legitimately reported and does does cause people concerns and ease causes feelings of embarrassment and that sort of thing what, what do you think makes those um those false claims come come out what why do you think there's more of that being seen 
I, I personally, I think from from the examples I've seen, uh, it's expectations of perfect peace and tranquility. Generally, uh, people will buy a house on an estate; they'll pay a lot of money. They will feel like they're they're entitled to have quite enjoyment of that space, and, and rightly so. But um, what what we've seen with the the reports that are bordering on intolerant and malicious in the past is. Uh, people expect to move on to a housing estate and then expect perfect silence all the time. Uh, you know, I've I've seen reports where it's it's literally just been a teenager walking down the street and that's offended somebody, uh, and we, we make sure those are closed fairly swiftly and, and expectations are managed of you know what people should be expected to live with. Uh, it's it's when that behaviour starts turning legitimately antisocial and it is disturbing residents that that we would consider looking at it proportionately. I suppose it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because everyone has their own line of what's disturbing to them, but obviously there's always the over-the-top line where it becomes frustrating and counterproductive to the police. I, I When we yeah. moved into our first, our first home several years ago, um, on one hand, we have quite a lot of um, electric e-skewers in our area. It's really mm. frustrating. It isn't nice. It's very difficult to manage. Yeah. And we kind of, I mean, we kind of accept that. It's very difficult. You, you can't catch them. It's very difficult to catch them. Uh, yeah, and that's it. That's, that's a really good yeah. example, isn't it? Because that, that's something that, you know, they're going to fail to stop, generally speaking. There's a whole authorised professional practice around pursuits. We're not going to be getting into pursuits with e-scooters because they're vulnerable road users, they're children, and they're, generally speaking, uh, and they've got no protection. So what's the for the sake of what is a summary road traffic offence, where does that justify the risk of, of having a pursuit where they're likely to end up seriously injured? Uh, I think in the fullness of time we will see changes in the rules around e-scooters, uh, probably more in line with what we're seeing in those trial areas like Bath and, and Bristol, but uh, yeah, I don't, there has to be a line of proportionality with, with things like e-scooters. Yeah, we will. Yeah, I remember, especially, I think day two of us first moving in, we had um, a car got set alight and exploded behind our house. So that's, that's when you see things that actually are genuine. Yeah, and that's, that's the other end of the spectrum completely there, isn't it? That's <laughs> Electric scooter, yeah. cars blowing up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that's that. quite a fright on day two. My yeah. wife said, where have you brought me? Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. But I mean, you know, we, we, we've got loads of, um, of ongoing projects that are well into that end of that we, we try to prioritise our work based on threat, harm and risk. Uh, so that's like, what's the potential consequence? How likely is it to happen? And how severe is that consequence going to be? So we, we tend to use that as our screening tool for what are we going to deal with? Because there's no way we could deal with everything with 21,000 incidents a year and the staffing we have. But um, that's that's a good bellwether for what are we, we going to pick up? Let's, let's look at the riskier end. Let's look at the stuff that's going to escalate. Let's look at the things that aren't going to go away um so we've we've had a particular problem premises in the middle of town where uh you could you could evidence antisocial behavior and disorder falling out of that house or connected to that house every day of the week um constant complaints to the housing association constant complaints to us and we we've got our heads together went to the magistrates and we said look this house is a problem for this reason we need to do something about it and the magistrates granted us a closure order. So only the tenants, since that point, uh, for the last three months, have been allowed anywhere near that address. Anyone else who's committed an offence. So that has dropped it by 100%. And it, and it worked overnight. There was, there was one testing of the waters, very, very early on by a couple of them. Uh, and that hasn't been, hasn't been repeated since. So we set our stall out and that problem's evaporated. I think the reports you do get are, are genuine to the people that report them as yeah. well. Like yeah. they, they are generally concerned about their own well-being and the well-being of their neighbours and things like that. So it's not to discount that, but yeah. it, it's to say that actually what needs reporting and what needs priority for, for you guys as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I'd say, you know, 99 point something percent of, of the reports are genuine and they do have an effect. And, you know, I'm never going to sort of go and tell somebody actually, you know, I think you so for maybe the, the extreme examples, I'm never going to sit down and say, you know, I think this is unreasonable, I think you're the problem. Is uh, You know, we'll always look into the situation, we'll always look at the evidence and see where the evidence takes us. Um, and, and actually, who am I to really discredit or discount how somebody feels about a given situation? 
uh, we are mindful of sensitivities and that some people are probably less robust than others. Uh, but there, there does have to be a, an objective line. And we have to check our own bias with that as well because I'm fairly hardy to this now after 16 and a half years. And, and I think it takes more, quite a lot more for me to even raise an eyebrow than it would probably take most. So you, we're cognizant of that fact as well. Yeah, everyone's human. Yeah. So we spoke a little bit about, you know, the, uh, the perceived threat and how certain people, you know, see things uh, differently. Have you found social media has quite a, a big impact on, on how certain things are reported or, or unreported? Do they blow out of proportion? Or? Social media, I find, to be overwhelmingly negative. And, and, and I find that uh, for, generally speaking, everything I see on social media is exaggerated in one way shape or form sometimes intentionally other times like like you said it's, it's a perception difference and and there is a thing it's such a thing as perception distortion uh, somebody will genuinely perceive in their mind an incident to have gone a certain way but you'll watch some cctv and actually it didn't necessarily happen that way that's just a, a part of human memory but with social media you tend to find uh, there's there's more of a willingness to embellish or uh, add details say things for, uh, for for the sake of outrage potentially sometimes um uh, there's the one one example was um somebody wrote on a spotted page in a neighboring town about a set of circumstances that essentially uh, amounted to a robbery that was in the height of all the hysteria about dog theft last year uh, very very dramatic set of circumstances and i was really surprised on the face of it, to say that that was never reported to the police. So, put a load of work into finding out who this individual is, and they eventually very shamefacedly admitted that somebody had walked past them in the opposite direction and said, nice dog. Uh, they'd had a particular accent and with a stereotype attached to it, and then the rest of that detail had been embellished. So they're very, you know, embarrassed that they've had to admit that actually their little online rant hadn't happened um but the upshot is you know there's a negative reputational issue with the police because you've then got everyone else who reads that post thought oh the police aren't very good in that area if they can't detect that robbery it never happened um it causes fear amongst those same people who read the post and think oh i don't want to go and walk my dog there uh it gets shared to other areas and it perpetuates that perception of dog thefts which actually wasn't the epidemic that, and it never was the epidemic that social media would have had you believe and that's quite an extreme example but you do see everyday things on the spotted pages and, and that sort of page where the, the little exaggerations just just increase people's fear then we do we do try to manage it with the with our posts and our social media channels and we try to be more objective and balanced and offer reassurances where you can but when you can't reply directly to those comments and those pages to say, no, no, this didn't happen, or, you know, this bit is embellished, it, it can become really challenging. And I think that's, as a society, something we need to be really mindful of. There's certainly with, you know, with some of these town sites, um, you don't have to post it under your name, so it can be anonymous. So you can, you can, you can embellish, you know, and, and I've seen before, um, I'm not saying this isn't a problem, um, hard drug use issues in Melksham and actually there's laughing gas yeah. canisters. Now, there's a difference between laughing gas, smoking a bit of weed and, and shooting up. Yeah. There are three very big issues there. Yeah. and the People don't always, it's just drug issues and suddenly... Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that as a local councillor, I quite often get reports of um, people smoking in parks yeah. um, and that's resulted in people with hoods on um, um, which has made residents feel, I guess, nervous of people wearing hoods in general because it gets generalised, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, when someone's doing something quite negative, it gets put onto other people, maybe of that age, maybe wearing a hood. Um, it, it's very upsetting that it does become so generalised, but it, it's understandable why it does at the same time. Yeah, and I don't think it does any any good for this sort of wider community either because you create or perpetuate this them and us kids versus adults mentality and and yeah fine some i'm sure i mean minority of teenagers particularly quite enjoy that intimidating covered face sort of let's let's look look mean and, and hard sort of uh, 
image, but I think that is a minority, and I think that then adversely affects how normal teenagers are seen, or most teenagers are seen, who just want to go out and enjoy socialising with their mates. In your time as as the police, you know, around in around Melksham, dealing with antisocial behaviour, you personally, what do you think is the biggest the biggest issue about antisocial behaviour? So, what is the biggest topic you would say in Melksham that is yeah. rife at the moment? <sighs> Rife. That's very if, interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, I can reword that if you'd rather. It's, it's a funny one because ASB is so broad. It's, yeah. it's, the one you hear the most of is drugs because for exactly the reason you said, it's, it all gets lumped into one together. You'll walk past you know, a, a, a group having a joint in the park and that gets lumped in with uh, drug users in the town centre public toilet, which was a thing 18 months or so ago. Yeah. Uh, and it all gets so that's the thing we probably hear the most about um i think in in fairness the the loutish drunken behavior of different people for different reasons is is probably the, the largest issue uh, but it's but like i say it's it's different people who are transient um for different reasons you know we we don't tend to find street homelessness too much in Melksham we don't there's been a couple of people but they they come they go they get housed they engage with charities generally they move on uh, that isn't something we tend to take on or get too involved in is the neighborhood team because they they aren't things that need a problem solving approach they're things that the charitable sector or the council will tend to pick up and that, that person will then move on with their, their life elsewhere but I, I think that is probably if you were to put it under the umbrella that's probably the the largest individual problem we've got. Yeah, cause I, I remember when I was a bit younger, uh, certainly when the market tavern was just a tavern, mm. and I remember every single Saturday night that would end up in some kind of, there would be brawling, yeah. or there would be yeah. some kind of fight. I think it ended um, up on TV, see, actually, once. Had a few times <laughs> on TV, I think. Yeah. Um, but if you go back to sort of 2006 when it was a special, that was our regular thing. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, every week, without fail, we knew it was a very good idea to put two cops outside the tap <laughs> yeah. um, because it was just guaranteed carnage. And you yeah. know, the first two or three times I was assaulted, it was it was there, and it, it was just expected every weekend. And I think you know, as, as attitudes have changed towards drinking, um, the, the prices have gone up. Licensees have really pulled their socks up over the last fifteen years or so, and they, they take it a lot more seriously potentially than it was done then they've been held to a higher standard and they've reacted positively and that has just gotten so so much better so so i guess one of the um probably the closing question and one of the questions that um residents want answered the most is what are the police currently doing to combat antisocial behavior in towns so there's loads um it's it's again because it's such a vast topic so we have uh, a standing where we constantly feed into the local pub watch so we will monthly on a monthly basis we will look at who's been causing problems in our pubs uh, we will go along we will suggest names the committee will then vote as to you know looking at the, the incident do they need to ban these individuals from going into the pubs uh, we then go off and deliver the banning letters so there's that preventative work as well uh, to, to prevent future problems uh, we look at community engagement um, so Generally speaking, we'll go to town council meetings and area boards. We'll do community drop-ins. Like recently, we've done Costa. We've done in town here. We've done Steeple Ashton Community Shop. And we'll just listen to residents' concerns. And then what we do is we go away and we have a look at the evidence base behind it. If there's no reporting picture, we will do surveys to see, actually, is there any basis behind these complaints? And then we will develop bespoke problem profiles for each and responses to each each thing. Uh, We do regular school patrols that's a standing item for everybody all the time so school parking at start and finish times that's always going to be an issue uh, so that is just something that is patrolled as a matter of course uh, King George V again if left and unale- left unattended for too long you will always find a problem there because it's uh, it's got no natural surveillance at the moment so we've worked with the town council to provide evidence to support the additional lighting and the CCTV that's all in the process of going in. So a lot of our stuff is preventative, uh, as well as as well as the patrolling. Um, those are the, the standing items. And then we've got, with, with the longer-term or medium-term problems, we, we just do a bespoke response to that problem until we crack it and it goes away. 
Um, so it's hugely, hugely complex. Yeah, the operations are yeah. in the works, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we, we've got some really interesting work, um, really interesting work on at the moment. That's, uh, you know, it would be probably tactically unwise of me to, to give the details <laughs> away for, but yeah. uh, we, you know, we've, we've got, uh, as I was having a conversation with a chap yesterday, we've got a problem building in the town centre, but none of the solutions are going to involve dealing with that building directly. So what we've done is we've, we've identified the people within that building who are problematic and they're being targeted elsewhere. They've, they've got a criminal lifestyle. Um, they, they present certain opportunities with that criminal lifestyle. Um, one of them no longer has some drugs he had a couple of days ago. Um, another was found with an offensive weapon in a public place. And it's that sort of intel-led proactive targeting that will ultimately have an impact for the better on that building. And the residents will never see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Until the problem goes away. No, that's been that, that that's been fantastic and a really good insight into um, what the world of policing is and how that impacts on the reduced antisocial behaviour that happens in the town. So, thank you so much for your time, James. Yeah, um, that's all right. Um, we really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Right, thanks then. <laughs> Cheers, guys. just interrupting this podcast just to tell you a bit about our sponsor the Melksham Independent News just here at Celebrate Melksham you want to really thank Melksham News they have been pivotal in our new move within the podcast they've supported us with a brand new logo they've yeah yeah red, the red and white just yeah. to match the Melksham News which no, but which, which is really good because it helps us to sort of have that joint working with them yeah and you know help with Melksham News they know and particularly Joe They've um, really given us a, a clear direction of where we want this podcast to go, and I can really see it, it, it growing more from where it was more people-led. Now it's going to be more topic-based. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for example, this subject's on um, might be on antisocial behaviour. It might be on housing. It might be on any other subjects that may be coming out in the future. You know, so keep an eye out and, and keep your ears listening to what topics we have and who we have on as our guests because. They really have something valuable to say. Yeah, you know, they, the, the Melch News is known throughout, obviously, the town very well. It's helped fortnightly, and obviously, you can see it all on, on, on social media and online. But, you know, and they're helping us with advertising as well. So, just a massive thank you, Melch News. We couldn't be doing this without you. You know, and a massive thank you to Joe um, and all the support he's given us to really help this um, this scheme and podcast to grow. Um, Celebrate Melchim is really going in a really positive direction. Be sure to check out the Melksham News every other Thursday, um, as Tom said, online, or you can get your own copy of the newspaper, and um, we'll get back to the podcast. So that was Sergeant James Twyford's views on antisocial behaviour in Melksham. Now let's hear from Wiltshire Councillor Mike Sankey. So hello Mike, thanks for joining us. You're Um, welcome. Do you want to tell people a bit about what you do? And within Wiltshire Council? Yeah, sure. Um, Mike Sankey, obviously. I'm member of Wiltshire Council for Melksham East. have been since May 2021. Same, same as you guys for the local elections. How have you been finding that so far? Actually, not quite as bad as being a town councillor. I think being a town <laughs> councillor is a lot, lot more hard work than being a Wiltshire councillor. So, uh, yeah, not too bad. Quite enjoy it. That's good to hear. Maybe I'll consider that next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, obviously, we're meeting today about antisocial behaviour um, and what that looks like in the town. Um, can you talk us a bit about your experience with antisocial behaviour and sort of what you've experienced being a Wiltshire councillor for Melksham East? Okay, Melksham East, um, some, of, some of the antisocial behaviour reports have been sort of uh, resident disputes. Um, certainly, there was there was one that um, the resident concerned came to the uh, residents meeting that Louisa Lewis and I organised at the rugby club, and um, the, the police were there, so they sort of liaised with um, Sergeant James Twyford, and they they sort of got together, and between them, I, th- I believe that's recently been resolved, um, and I think that did actually involve some formal police action and uh, magistrates court so it was obviously a genuine a genuine issue 
um, came to me initially. Uh, we, we dealt with it by liaising with James and um, the residents, and uh, out of that we got a resolution, so that's, that's good news. Perfect. Um, and, I mean, the antisocial behaviour reports um, you're getting um, from residents, you said about um, resident disputes. Um, I've had quite a few about drug use um, in the parks. Have you sort of heard similar things? Yeah, certainly going around knocking on doors. Um, you know, when you speak to residents, they, they, they will tell you what's going on and where it's going on. Um, a lot of it is low-level stuff. A lot of it doesn't actually impact the residents other than the fact that they can see it and they're, they're aware of it um, going on. There are there are some issues with... Um, I mean, there was uh, the cut-through from Hever Avenue to Dorset Crescent, as you, you will be aware. Yeah. There was problems with um, e-scooters and motorbikes and one cars. thing or another. Yeah, Car- yeah cars. Um, and, and as you know, that, that was... Um, there was a lot of effort put into trying to find a resolution to that, as a result of which we eventually got got a single bollard installed, which wasn't quite what people were hoping for, but it was the it was the compromise that was available at the end of the day when all things yeah. were considered. And that and was a fight uh, to get, wasn't it? <laughs> it? It was. Well, that was that was in that was in my early days as a councillor, and I couldn't believe how big a fight it was to get one single bollard installed. But hey, we did, and it's there, and. Um, if nothing else, at least it's stopping cars from going along that route. So we've got, again, it's um, it's a result of sorts. And, it, and it's not just that, is it? Because you've been quite involved with um, getting things put in to combat antisocial behaviour, among other things, around Melksham East, um, like the lighting that's yep. going up in um, in Melksham East around um, Cranesville Road Park yep. area. Um and I think that should be up, actually, by the time this podcast goes out. Yeah, certainly within the next couple of weeks, that's, that installation is going ahead. So we're really um, yeah, really quite excited about that, as I'm sure everybody is. And that was actually done quicker than a bullard. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Um, no comment on that one. <laughs> so um, what other projects have you sort of been involved in um, linking to that? Obviously, you said about the Melksham East um, Residents, um, I guess it, it's more of a meetup, isn't it? That works really well. It, it is, but again, with with um, Councillor Louisa Lewis, she's she's been heavily involved and more the um, lead on this. But I've been working with her. Um, she's managed, or we've managed, to establish a fairly good working relationship with Green Square, who um, obviously are the housing association in the area and are responsible for the open spaces. So when we've got issues like bins not being emptied or um, graffiti, that sort of thing, we, we can we can liaise with them and, and get those things get those things addressed. So we've had some good success there. Do you do you find when you contact these other you know Green Square and uh, whatnot, uh, is it quite a positive um, conversation? Do you actually get where you need to get, or is it a bit of a battle sometimes? I wouldn't say it's a battle, but they are quite um, defensive and quite um, firm on what they will or won't um, be held accountable for. You know, one, one, of the, one of the big issues was the estate charges, and, and you know, we, we took that up on behalf of residents, and Green Square were quite adamant that, look, this is all set out, it's a schedule of charges which is preset years in advance, and we've not done anything that we've not informed the residents of um, when they actually purchase their properties. So they are... As I say, they're quite defensive, and they will put up a good fight if um, if they think it, it, it's appropriate. Yeah, um, but obviously things change, don't they? And new problems come to light, and that that is just the nature of what the world is. And yeah, I mean, what, one of the, one of the things we persuaded them to do was one of their responsibilities is emptying the litter bins, and um, they, they, the frequency wasn't um, wasn't enough, so they agreed to do it twice a week instead of once a week. So again, small, you know, small things, but it all make a difference. That's you know, that's we, we spoke to James Twyford earlier on, and um, antisocial behaviour is deemed as maybe this very small area where it's just you just walk around, glaring at old women and intimidating everyone. That, that, that isn't the case at all. You know, this is such a wide issue, and well, it can it involves littering as well and stuff like having the bins not, you know, quite a basic necessity. Empty the bins. We need emptying. 
that's just going to encourage littering. It's going to encourage broken glass on the floor. It's going to encourage a handful of other issues that come with it. So it's important to get that right, I, I would imagine. Yeah, but uh, we, we, we've all got a responsibility for antisocial behaviour because, as you quite rightly say, it's a, it's a massive area and it's um, not just the obvious things. It, it's things like littering. It's things like throwing a cigarette butt on the ground. It's things like parking on double yellow lines. It, and it's not... You know, there is um, an element of young people involved in certain aspects of antisocial behaviour, uh, but a lot of it is perception. And a lot of antisocial behaviour is carried out by, by old, I say older people, I mean people who aren't necessarily the younger generation. You know, as I said, parking on WL lines by the school. You know, that's not young people doing that. That's, that's parents yeah. of, of children who are at the school who need to be kept safe. And they're actually contributing to creating a dangerous scenario for them by antisocial behaviour, parking on WL lines. So, yeah, it's a, it's a massive... It's a massive subject. Yeah, it's a very simple thing, isn't it? But it's as you said, everyone has responsibility those themselves to maintain and keep everything. Mm. I guess if we're talking about antisocial, social, I suppose. Yeah. And and keep it a place that everyone wants to live and feel safe in. Yeah, and I think also talking about um, responsibility, a lot of the local, well, most most residents set a good example. I mean, Melcham's fantastic for this in terms of community spirit, as we all know. We all know you can walk around town. You see people picking up litter, you know, doing the you know the litter picks. You've got people tending to the plants. You know the milks and bloomers, for example. You've got the Christmas lights teams putting up Christmas lights. Now they're they're all setting an example to to the rest of the community. So if you've got, for argument's sake, younger people who haven't you know haven't quite found their way yet, haven't quite determined how they're going to interact with their community or with society in general they are walking around seeing those things going on and they might not consciously recognize those things at the time but they're seeing it and at some point in the future they're going to think oh yeah i remember living in melchon i remember seeing people putting up the christmas lights and doing the litter picks and it does make an impression so we are all setting that good example i think yeah that makes sense role modeling is really important really. yeah well, that, that, that's what it is as well. It, it's social responsibility because the amount of times that I'll, you know, as a council, I'll get complaints of um, of littering or broken glass all over the place. And oh, it is an issue and it needs to be dealt with. But sometimes if you just cleared it up yourself as well, that, that that's that's part of the problem then because then you're just leaving that and then 100 people walk by that and it's just a mountain of issues that come with that, especially when there's a little parlour that, that can actually soon escalate into larger and larger because people decide sure. that's now a bin. Some of the basic stuff like littering, which sounds a bit heavy on this topic today, but that isn't that is one of the issues we have around here. But social responsibility, we can all do a little bit just to help. We have the tidy teams. Definitely, it just takes one person. We're we're talking about bins and the frequency of them being emptied and all the rest of it. So, again, if if a bin's full, is it is it antisocial to continue dumping your rubbish at the bin when you can't physically get it in the bin? Or should you, as a responsible person, think, oh, that bin's full, can't get anything in there, I'd, I'd better take this home and get rid of it? You know, simple things. So, you know, a lot of residents do have strong feelings about antisocial behaviour. Do you feel like those feelings are warranted? Do you feel like it's, it is as bad as, as people feel it is? If somebody feels they've been subjected to antisocial behaviour, I'd respect their their feelings um you know it's a person's perception you know that I, you, know, you or i might not think something was antisocial, but somebody else could you know i mean quite often again i don't want to keep coming back to young people but if you've got a group of um younger people hanging out sitting in a play park not necessarily doing anything wrong um that might still be perceived by some people as being antisocial behavior but it's not necessarily. It's that perception, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I think that's what can be the problem as well, when younger people certainly are, are targeted more by the perception of it. We, we all know that. Even ourselves, even though we know it isn't just younger people, when you think about social behaviour, the first thing you do naturally think of is tends to be younger people with hoodies. But we, we, we know that's not the case. Yeah. But just sitting around <laughs> doing nothing, that is fine. 
I, I don't do it. it. There's obviously perception, but that is fine. And they do certainly think get a bit of a target on their back at times. Yeah. Well, as I said, I'm, I'm more concerned. Um, I'm more concerned with people parking on WL lines mm. uh, or parking on the taxi rank down, down, you know, out here or you know parking outside the co-op to go and go to the cash point. You know, stuff like that. Dropping litter, not picking up your, after your dog. You know, that's all antisocial behaviour, and that's horrible. I mean, I can remember as a kid playing football and going down on, on, on a football pitch and getting covered in it. And I, mm. That memory stayed with me, you know, since, since then, and it's a horrible, disgusting thing. Yet, for example, you get people on various sports pitches in and around Melksham letting the dogs run loose on sports pitches mm. and not always picking up after them. That's antisocial behaviour. And just a responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> so takes all, all forms. So do you think from, um, you know, the, the professionals that are in place to deal with antisocial behaviour and make sure that that is being maintained and, you know, we've established there's an element of the public doing it for themselves, but do you think there's enough being done for when it comes to antisocial behaviour uh, as a Wiltshire councillor sort of looking in and representing those residents? I would say I'm very pleased, for example, with the response we've had from the local police. Um, again, going back to the residents' meetings that we organised, uh, James Twyford was, was aware of some of the concerns that had been raised, so he came along to the residents' meeting. He also arranged for Philip Wilkinson, the police and crime commissioner, to come along. And after that meeting, he um, specifically spoke to some residents who had specific concerns, and they, and they, as I said earlier, they were dealt with. Mm. So, yes, I think they're doing a good job. They've also made the point, and again, it comes back to our social responsibility. People are saying things don't get done, the police don't act. The point that was made, quite rightly, was, well, we need you to report things. You know, if there's something going on, even if you don't think you're necessarily going to get a response straight away, you need to report it. And then that enables the police to build up a picture and pinpoint historically where incidents have, have occurred. Then in the future, I mean, we always look to the future and hope for, for more resources, but the Wiltshire Police are recruiting more officers um, and they are you know, starting to trickle through. When resources allow, they can look at that historical data and say, right, these are the hotspots, let's do some proactive policing now because we've got the intelligence that has been provided by the public and we can go and focus, be proactive and try and stop problems before they develop. Well, when you when you look at um, the Unicorn Pub in town and the fact that the police just reported uh, got reported to about a burglary that was happening within that abandoned pub, mm. um, which wasn't so abandoned when they went and checked it out because it it had a, a drug den in it, yeah. you know. So when you look at that, that just shows how if you report the smallest concern, it can sometimes have the biggest impact. Yeah, really, really good point. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, I think it's important to remember and, and reiterate as well that Facebook isn't a valid way to report and it's social behaviour if, if you if you want something done about it and, and people can use that to, to, you know, complain and whatnot, but you can't put something on social media and then expect the police to get that and then go down. Because I've, I've seen plenty of stuff on, you know, you see like on Sham Shoutouts where you put anonymous stuff on there. It's not helpful. It, it, it isn't helpful when you're not giving the police the actual information that they need. No, quite right. I mean, social, as we know, social media has its place and it's very useful. I mean, I, I use the um, Melksham East Residents Group on Facebook to, to, to um, see what's going on and see what people are saying. And, it's, yeah, it's great. It's great for that. But you're absolutely right. If, uh, if something happens that needs the police to be aware, uh, you need to report it formally through 101 or obviously if it's an emergency 999 that's that's the way to do it facebook is facebook 101 is for you know the serious stuff yeah absolutely absolutely i'll just say that um <clears throat> yeah it's, it's it's been really interesting so far being a wiltshire councillor and i love working with you guys as well you know the the town councillors um you know quite often if there's something appropriate for for my ward i come along to the you know, town council meetings, whether it be full council or, or planning. And, uh, yeah, it's really, really enjoyable. Now, I, I'll actually 
I quote you somebody who's no longer with us, actually. It's Roy Wyle. And um, years ago, when I was on Melchon Without Parish Council, I used to speak to Roy, and we used to work together quite a bit. And he said to me once, he said, Mike, he said, the thing with local politics is you're never going to, or politics in general, you're never going to please all the people all the time. And he said, the secret to politics is to find that compromise. He said, find that middle ground, work together with people, you know, fi- establish what you can do and what you can achieve and focus on that. And that's that was sound advice, which I think has stood me in good stead. Yeah. So I'll give you that one for free. Fantastic. And, you've, you know, thanks to you as well, because you've really helped a lot of residents in Melksham East um, with what you've contributed. And I know residents speak very highly of you, so thank well, you for that's, support with that. That's reassuring. Thank you. But, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's not just me. It's other people as well. Yeah. Um, if I can ask them and see if we can fit it in in the podcast. Yeah, go for it. It should have been fit in, but if you can, it's fine. Um, just a little bit about Wish Council. So, uh, as a Wish Council, you know, you, you brought up a few issues that we think of antisocial behaviour that we don't realise, and one, a big one is parking violation through park and double yellows. What, what do you see Wish Council doing towards it or in the future to, to combat this? What I can tell you is that... Um, Wiltshire Council are currently very close to reaching the full complement of civil enforcement officers, which they need to um, actually go out and and enforce those parking restrictions. Um, I think they could do more. I I think they should focus on schools during school run times. I don't think they will ever have enough officers to do that as much as we would like them to. But... um, yeah, they, they've, they're nearly up to full strength on civil enforcement officers, and I think that's a really positive thing. And do you think, um, what do you think Wiltshire Council are currently doing to sort of combat antisocial behaviour as a whole? Do you think there's the sort of, there's the funding there to be able to back that up? Because I know that's always a big obstacle at times. That's a good question, and the honest answer is I, I don't necessarily know the full answer. Or what, what I would say is that... Um, through the area boards, uh, as you know, each each area has a, a Wiltshire Council area board. Um, there is money available um, for, for grants to help um, the community, local communities and local councils. For, for example, as you'll be aware, um, the area board funded the camera on the bath, you know, outside the bath row toilets, which I hope has made a positive contribution. So that's where I see a lot of the um, support coming. Through the um, through the area boards, not necessarily direct from Wiltshire Council. Now, are there any schemes sort of in place from Wiltshire Council to sort of help combat that at all? Antisocial behaviour in general. Um, well, again, yeah. The another element of antisocial behaviour we've, we've spoken about littering in in general, but part of that, you know, at a higher level is um, fly tipping, and I know there are six full time employees. Across um, across Wiltshire Council, dedicated solely to uh, investigating f- and um, resolving fly tipping. So, yeah, that's that's a piece of antisocial behaviour which is specifically being targeted by Wiltshire Council. We we, we hear a lot about um, these elements actually being tackled and being dealt with. Is anything being done to deter it to actually stop it before it 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 happens? Because it's fantastic to fix it, but it'd be a lot better to stop it. <laughs> Well, yes, is, is a simple answer. I mean, there, there are quite a few laybys. Um, the nearest one I can think of is Bradford Avon, actually, on the um, road out to, to Froome. There's a big layby there, which, um, you know, got signs on there saying, fly tippers beware, ca- you know, um, covert cameras in operation. So, yeah, there, there are deterrents out there as well. Have, have we seen a drop in fly tippers since they've been put in place? That I don't know, to be honest. So obviously there's um, the budget's just been done for Wiltshire Council as well. Do they have a specific budget for antisocial... Is that an actual pot that they reach into? No, there's not. I don't think there's a specific pot in the budget for antisocial behaviour. As I said, the main um, focus would be through the area boards, I think. So would there be um, the scope for... Um, community groups or um, other agencies to go to the area board to uh, get funding to tackle antisocial behaviour if that's something they wanted to do? 
Yes, but it would, ne- it would need to be a specific um, project, and and obviously that would be have to, have to be costed out and um, ideally match funding as well. But yes, the, the the simple answer is you can go to the area board and speak to the um, uh, speak to the guy who runs each one, and and they will talk you through the process of you know, putting in a grant application. Brilliant. Uh, do you know if there's any existing projects at the moment that's being funded for antisocial behaviour or anything along those lines? I can't think of anything off the top of my head, to be honest. No, that's right. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Um, we really appreciate your time. And again, thank you for what you do um, for the residents. And we hope to be speaking to you again. Brilliant. <coughs> Brilliant. Okay. Thank you both very much. Yeah, thank, thank you, Mike. Enjoyed it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. All right. That was Mike Sankey with his view of antisocial behaviour in Melksham. So what, what do you reckon about that then, Tom? Well, it, it's interesting getting both both areas of that, isn't it, with James's knowledge of, you know, with the police, and then Mike obviously has a lot more of a, maybe residents attack him or tackle him, should I say, a, a bit more hands-on. Um, what I found both in, in quite interesting, both of them did mention about social media and how social media can act, it's not the best way to actually report crimes. Well, no, because they can't. They haven't got the capacity to check social media all the time. Yeah, exactly, and it, it leads to a bigger question, really: how helpful is social media, really? Because how often is something, you know, something James said about certain things being blown out of proportion, and then suddenly it's good, it's very, very bad perception on the police and of Melksham, and nothing's being done, and that we have this massive epidemic. Where really do we? Well, we find it on the council, don't we? I mean, when people report through social media. Um, it's easier to email us on our councillor email addresses because then we can get things done directly. It's a lot harder to monitor social media all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, I guess what's interesting as well is the um, amount of social responsibility and what Mike said about how, you know, it is things like littering. It is things like the parking on double yellow lines, not picking up after your dog, you know, very little things like that that go a long way and actually could that be seen as antisocial behaviour he's absolutely right it, it, it did make me think you know talking to you know, talk to both of them um, there was a conversation with James and he mentioned about you know maybe the tolerance of certain people has changed or you know for example me and him had a chat for the podcast and it was referenced just now you know when I was a kid I'm sure many of us done it played a bit of knock knock run but never in a million years would that be deemed really as an antisocial behaviour as a police call yeah now that's something that's happening more and more often. So, you know, is it that the tolerance has gotten worse? You know, people just don't want to have to live with that. But, or is it, you know, as Mike said, if you feel that you've been a victim of it, you have been a victim of it. So everything needs to be taken seriously. It's, a, it, it's, it's a very difficult way to, to handle it because the police are, are drawn out so thin already. You know, at what point do you drop things? And at what point does it affect people's, you know, people's mental health, people's way of living? They're all difficult to balance. I think it's interesting that it's classed as social behaviour because obviously it's linked to a lot of people's personal views. If if someone personally feels that something's antisocial, then it's antisocial to them because everyone's got a different tolerance of what social means. Um, for example, I I might not, you know, I might not like someone, um, and this isn't necessarily the case, but I might not like someone smoking um, cigarettes walking past me in the streets completely legal doesn't mean it's it's antisocial but other people might be more tolerant of that it's that sort of level isn't it yeah well yeah people do have that same tolerance you know maybe a bit more extreme if i were past someone and they were you know at 10 at night and they sparked up a, a joint you know in the park personally it, it probably it wouldn't bother me i just walk around, i wouldn't really care personally but i can see how other people could be potentially int- intimidated mm-hmm. and it can it make them feel feel wary what do you reckon about the fact that um, antisocial behaviour is purely chi- children or kids? You know, that's something that a lot of people say. Mike sort of said that that's it's not just kids, and James sort of reinforced that. You know, what's what's your thought process on that? I mean, it, it all depends, doesn't it? Because, uh, yeah, antisocial behaviour, maybe ones on the street are mainly kids, you know. Do I see kids push around their bikes on the pavement getting people's way yeah I see that quite a lot but what I don't see is I don't see the noisy neighbours I don't see the more you know extreme 
issues we have in the town. So it's very hard to decide what is more than the other. Um, I don't think it's fair to, to blame all kids. And again, is, is it a tolerance level? Can we blame that on a tolerance, really? I mean, there was probably a generation of people that if they were drunk on the way home from the pub, they find a bike in the middle of the street, ride it home, dump it in their garden. You know, that that might be a case, you know, but actually would that have been seen and reported as antisocial behaviour then? Or is it easier now to report that sort of thing? Yeah, and, and, Obviously and, it's stealing, so it's not okay, <laughs> but that's just an example of what might have been tolerant. That's the thing, isn't it? Though it, it, It's what's actually being reported. And I see a hundred things on social media all the time. And in, in the past, actually, you know, in my younger days, or younger days, I've only been doing it for two years, I suppose, but in my first year of being a counsellor, I um, emailed uh, James, uh, Sergeant James Twyford, um, expressing concerns of the, you know, this mass amount of antisocial behaviour sweeping through the town, you know, people are scared to go out of their houses. And then when I actually spoke to him, he said, well, no one's told us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's all on Facebook. Like, no, no, no one's told us anything. Yeah, invisible crime, isn't it? So it's... Well, it's there, but who's seeing it? What do you do? At the end of the day, I mean, it's quite a, it's quite a simple act of, if you have an issue, report it. Yeah. But then again, that leads to another thing of... The list of jobs the police need to do is going to grow and grow. Actually, that's you, down to funding, isn't it? Yeah, you can't I, be scared to report anything. And I think at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot to be said about the money that gets pumped into the police system and, and a lack of, you know, lack of resources because actually that is what's holding um, the police back from tackling these smaller issues and having to just deal with the big ones. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And again, you know, we, we, we mentioned it a minute ago. People are saying about, you know, the... the NHS only go if you need to. Don't waste their time. You know, their their resources are lacking. You never hear that about police. You do hear a lot of negativity. They really don't deserve. Mm. And it's frust- it's frustrating for me to hear. So I, I can't imagine how frustrating it can be for for those who are actually working within it to hear. Yeah. So if you've got an issue with the police, speak to the police. Don't speak to Facebook. They're not going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the Celebrate Melksham podcast, um, and. Our topic-based subject of antisocial behaviour. A massive thank you to uh, Sergeant James Twyford for coming on and Wiltshire Councillor Mike Sankey. Massive thank you to you, Tom, for being my co-host on this. Not a problem. And um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, you can find us on Spotify, or you can find us on Apple Music. So please do have a search and listen to our old podcasts and our future podcasts there. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.